Dative, Integrative and Preventive Healthcare. The content discussed in this episode is for informative purposes only and should not be replaced by individualized professional consultations or professional medical advice. Hey guys, I'm Tasha. Hey listeners, this is Guni. And we're here to discuss lifestyle medicine. So Tasha, this weekend I was over at my, my cousin's and my nieces were telling me about their school and the type of lunch they were having. And basically carbs and proteins, mostly processed food. And I thought they were joking, but they actually told me that this was actually what they were having. And I was outraged. I think that this type of food at that age shouldn't be eaten, you know, so often. Mm. Um, so, you know, fries, nuggets. And I was just like, oh. is, this, is this a reality? Nuggets. Is this real? Um, what's your experience with, with that? I mean, growing up, because me in Switzerland, it was a complete different experience. Yeah, that's that sounds uh, close to what I experienced <laughs> in in, uh, in middle school when I was in the states for a bit, right? So staple foods were uh, pizza and fries, and then uh, the other dishes would change every day, every other day, right? So if you forgot to bring your food, that would be what you can rely on. Uh, and I I used to look forward to it because it was only like once a week where I could I could actually uh, take uh, I would have allowance money, right? But in hindsight, I'm like. This is actually really bad. Yeah. And so it's not even so basically it's privatized, right? The food. So you're 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 thinking it's extra money for mm. the the school. And the type of food that they are serving is just I, I'm just wondering if somebody has been thinking about this because in Switzerland, you know, when you are it's either you bring your own food and you have parents that give you your lunch box, etc. And as a South Asian, you know, you're always mindful of what type of food you can bring. You know, yep. your mom has made the rice and curry, but you kind of don't want to bring that at, at school <laughs> because it will smell. But I gathered my courage to still take it. I had no choice. Um uh. But yeah, you actually in Switzerland, you actually have a balanced food. If you were to eat from from the school uh, services, like there would be your greens, your carbs, like it would be a balanced plate. I mean, yeah, I remember like and part of the the, the, the meal set that was, was always offered in uh, school, high middle school was like you'd have the fries and pizza and then you'd serve it with also either soda or uh, like those packet juices. I think it was Capri Sun and, uh, or milk. And so then like, it's, it's actually crazy because I used to have this particular classmate, I remembered, he'd always fall asleep in class right after lunch and he'd always get in trouble. And like the teacher would literally just stand over him and say like, uh, and wait, wait for him to like wake up and realize that he was falling asleep. And actually in hindsight, I'm thinking it could really be a huge like the the a byproduct of like the food that we were eating, right? Um, and I'm I'm jealous yeah. that you know you you got like the good balanced food because I never got that when I was in school. Yeah, I, I I wonder if there is I mean a direct correlation to the way you can absorb information or your ability to learn, mm. especially at that age. Yeah, I think it's probably best if we pick the brain of someone who's uh, aware of the nutrition around food and how to like navigate that. And preferably someone who's actually got some sort of involvement in schools to implement their knowledge and wisdom in there, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so for that, we, we actually found someone who is an Ayurvedic practitioner. Uh, her name is Sonia Shah Williams, who is the founder of her 
private Ayurvedic practice and also the governor of a primary school in London, where she focuses on safeguarding and well-being of her students. And one of her personal missions is actually to bring ancient principles to a Western audience. So welcome to Dr. The Podcast, Sonia. We are excited to have this conversation. Thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me. It's a real, real pleasure. So Sonia, uh, welcome. And to start off our conversation, um, so as a mother and yourself uh, going to school, what was your experience as a child and, and your relationship with food at school? Well, starting with my, my own experience some years ago at school, it was really quite interesting because my parents were fairly new to the UK from India. And of course, the food practices are incredibly different. Uh, between India and England Um, and my mother is very much vegetarian all her life she's been vegetarian because Mm. of where she's from in India it's a vegetarian state so um, school they used to call them dinners because I grew up in Yorkshire so the lunch was called dinner so school dinners were um, very very you know it was British fare so it would be sausages and baked beans and mashed potato and heavily boiled vegetables and I'll never forget the smells the aromas <laughs> in the in the dining room the dining hall I, it was I can still remember them because they were just unknown to me you know at home that those right. smells the smells of lentils cooking and chapati yeah. Yeah. such a difference so such a contrast and right. to be perfectly honest I had real issues with eating I mean I wasn't a big eater anyway but I couldn't eat a lot of the food and I still remember my late father going into school because his surgery was very close to the school. So he would drop us to school and he had to go and talk to the teachers because they said, she's not eating. And he said, well, what can we do? Oh, she's not eating. I couldn't eat the meat because I Mm. hadn't been brought up on that. I hadn't been brought up on meat. Mm. I I just couldn't bear the smell of it. Um, And of course the meat had been cooked with other things. So then I didn't want to, I, I really didn't do well in terms of food at school it was not my favorite certainly to a young age and I grew as I got older it, you know I developed a bit more of a, a taste for those foods um, so I was better um, but I think do you know what it, it's quite ironic because I think that when the, the meals I ate at school were probably more wholesome than the meals my children were offered at school Right. Uh, I think because processed foods, being able to bring your own lunch into school now, which was not something we did when I was young, it was school meals were provided, but now Mm. children can bring their own food in. Some schools don't mind what they bring. So they might just bring a chocolate bar and um, some crisps Mm. and some processed bread as a sandwich. So therefore they're not eating a wholesome meal. In a way it was better to be provided, you know, the vegetables and the, and the meats and whatever. Um, but still, I didn't really eat them. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting. I guess in, in London, that's how schools were, where school hall was that food was provided as part of going to school. But I mean, I, in my community where we went to school to, you'd always have to bring food. So it's interesting when you say that there's no one monitoring the kids as well to see what they're eating. Um, because there's no, I guess there's no responsibility or accountability in that respect. And if you think about kids who are also poorer or can't afford it, there's no one to monitor or help them get the nutrition they can from somewhere, right? If they're not getting it from home, home, for example, which is a bizarre thing to think about, like that it's, it's we are so disconnected as a society as well from what yeah. it used to be. Well, I, I just heard the horrific statistics actually on the radio recently that since 2019, there's reportedly 4 million children living in poverty. 
and the majority of them in the UK are in London. So being right. a resident of London, that I find really upsetting, especially because I'm involved in a school. Mm. Um, and there's children from all different backgrounds in most London schools. So, you know, there are going to be a number of children who are just not being fed a wholesome diet, not through right. the fault of the parents, but, you know, parents working, going out early, no time, they're tired, you know, that no time for breakfast and so on and, and so forth. And so yeah. they're starting their school day without any nutrition whatsoever. Mm. I've heard children in the school that I'm, I'm um, involved in actually say, oh, I'm really hungry for my lunch. And I'll say, oh, why, why are you really hungry for your lunch, do you think? Oh, well, you know, what did you have for breakfast? Oh, I didn't have any. Wow, yeah. You know? That is really that, sad. That's yeah. really sad to hear. Part of their learning um, of the day or their lack of learning of the day or their mm -hmm. lack of focus or their lack of joy because mm -hmm. they haven't actually had any proper nutrition. Yeah, and they're growing so that that there's so much of nutrients that they need to have. But um, so we've talked about one of the, these gaps, which is actually kids not having proper food from home. Mm -hmm. But what do you think is the gap that the current structure at school is is having as a governor and, and someone who has a background in Ayurveda? Um, I think that not enough importance is given to wholesome nutrition in, in modern life. I think we've lost the ability to understand the basics of life for a human being on this planet and what is available in terms of food that grows for us to, uh, you know, it's a gift for us to be able to use. And because modern life has taken us so many steps away from our truth, if you like, as, as human beings, you know, we're, we're not, we don't understand our place within the universe and within nature. So we, we've, we've become a fast paced society. And of course, in a fast paced society, we want fast food. We don't want to take the time to prepare, to cook, to smell the aromas in the kitchen, to, to understand the different nutrients just through that instinct that human beings have got, you know, the, that knowledge that we need. We need grains, we need cereals, we need um, vegetables, we, you know, we need the healthy fats. We, we've lost the ability to understand what all those foods are. And so a lot of children will think of food as being something that comes out of a packet. Yeah. And I think drawing back to what happened between your meals and the, the meals of your children, for example, I think it's the, the consumerism and, and thinking of cost and how do we actually reduce the cost. And, and as you said, it's a lack of prioritization and nutrition not being at the forefront of where these decision making bodies are not taking are not including nutrition and and that's very sad to to hear actually uh, because my nieces were saying how they come back and they're hungry mm. for me this is really heartbreaking to hear mm. yeah it is I, I guess part of it is yeah the the fast-paced society but it's the fact that even parents they can't even contribute to the process because they themselves are already overworked they don't have capacity and then they have to care like emotionally for themselves and their children and then put healthy food on the table. I mean, if we are privileged enough, I guess we, we can actually uh, get help. But for those who can't, how, how would they even start? <laughs> yeah, it's such a huge problem because there's no one area to, mm. to blame, if you want to call it blame. It's not about yeah. blame. But it's about how we've become accustomed to this way of living, which is oh, well, we'll just grab something on the go. You know, and, and the beauty of Ayurveda and the beauty of, I want to say, 
people living in India because to me that there's a there's a that's the link you know Ayurveda is very much India and India is very much Ayurveda so people in India and I'm saying you know the the women the mothers who are primarily cooking the meals without actually even thinking about it or reading about it they know about a balanced diet they know about balanced meals they know about seasonal food they know about what will be healthy in the winter compared to the summer or the spring and for that reason I feel very lucky as an Indian person growing up in an Indian household that I've had those nutrients yeah no definitely and I think that you know breaking down the word Ayurveda which is a life knowledge knowledge of life and and so we we position it today as like you know medicine or natural medicine, but it's actually your knowledge of what's around you, your environment, uh, the nutrition that you're gonna give, and as you said, even growing up as a South Asian kid in your household, this is embedded in the way you live your life, and um, and seeing kind of the West potentially lacking some of these things. And it, it's interesting with your background and having this primary school appoint you as a governor, if you could ideally implement some of the Ayurvedic principle to the school or to a primary school, what would you do? Well, first of all, I would want to ensure that the parents and the teachers know about routine because in Ayurveda, routine is key. Routine is the king yeah. um, of health and well-being. And by routine, I mean eating breakfast at the, the same time every day, having a sort of a mid-morning snack that's obviously wholesome just to keep them going because you know children run out of fuel very quickly and then definitely lunch now lunch can really be, play a big part because of course they're at school at lunchtime they're not at school in the evening yeah. so lunch is the biggest meal of the day in Ayurveda it's the time of day when we can digest better because of the sun and the heat within the environment that helps our agni our digestive fire I think the thing is to sit down collectively to enjoy the collective experience of honoring the food that they're eating, to, to have the joy of the different tastes and the smells, sitting at the table and really chewing their food, um, having a very wholesome, right across the board, all the nutrients, all the macronutrients, all the micronutrients have to be um, there, present in every meal. Um, and we in Ayurveda, we talk about the six tastes and every meal should ideally have the six tastes within them in order for us to not be lacking in any of the tastes and therefore lacking in any of the nutrients and, mm. and also stop cravings. So, you know, we said about your nieces starving when they get home. Might not be because they, they didn't eat enough. They may have just eaten too much of the wrong nutrients or not enough of the right nutrients. And so for me, it would be about routine. What time are they having their lunch? And also to not rush it. Because when you rush your food, you increase vata dosha, which is one of the, the principles of movement, but you burn up those calories very quickly. You need, you need to really sort of um, savor that meal. And certainly in England, I can't speak for anywhere else, but we've lost the art of sitting down together collectively and eating a meal. And children need to learn that. They can learn it at school um, because it's very much certainly with my children. It was lunchtime, 10 minutes, eat your food, have a play, go back to class. Yeah. I even had ch a chance to digest that food. Yeah. 10 minutes, really? Oh, 10 because they-, they Oh my goodness. You get 50 minutes, I think, for their lunch break. And so, you know, 10 minutes, oh, then they've got to have their play. Um, mm. so it's all done really in a rush, you know. Even like a couple of years ago, I decided to like follow a, this thing where they said to time yourself 
while you eat. And basically, if you eat anywhere less than 15 minutes, that means you're doing a poor job at eating because you're not focused, you're not present, and you're trying to rush through it to get to somewhere. And so the aim was actually to take 30 minutes to eat every meal. And I struggled. I did it for like three months and I got better gradually, but I struggled. Yeah, the the key to eating well and more more importantly, digesting well uh, is to take your time because when you don't chew your food properly, the the whole chewing process is breaking the food down. So it's doing a lot of the work for your digestive fire before it's got to the gut. Um, it's helping that process, which means that it, it will be assimilated and absorbed better by the cells. And that's all we want with our food. doesn't matter how healthy your food is or how, how nutritious, how wholesome your food is. At the end of the day, if it's not digested properly and it's not broken down and, and given as a gift to your cells, then it's, it's, it's actually a poison because then it's, it remains undigested in your digestive tract. Then that leads to toxins building up and that leads to inflammation and the key you know to most diseases the causative factor is inflammation which Ayurveda knew about 5,000 years ago and they're they're actually just realizing that now in Mm. modern medicine the the role of inflammation in most diseases so you know this can be corrected in children and I'm passionate about that that knowledge being given to not necessarily the children it's too much for them but to to their carers their guardians their teachers their parents so they can help them to, to sort of start to lead healthier lives from a very young age. Right. Um, and how would you say that nutrition or one of these aspects would impact productivity? I was going to say it's a no-brainer. That's a bit of a pun because it's about the, the brain. <laughs> so, um, you know, there, there's a huge signaling between the brain and the GI tract. You know, the GI tract and the central nervous system are completely linked. And there's lots of other systems involved, including the gut microbiome, the gut flora, the gut bacteria. Lots of evidence that suggests that the gut microbiome plays such an important role in the interactions between the gut and the nervous system. When you are not feeding both brains well, with the wholesome nutrition, and when I say wholesome nutrition, when you eat something in its most natural form, without it being tampered with, a processed meal, heavily tampered with, you know, it has very little nutritional value. A meal where you have literally used a grain and whatever, and you've used spices and you've used vegetables in its wholesome state, that is recognized by every cell. You know, we we are created with all these trillions of cells that are superbly intelligent within each cell. They won't recognize food that is not natural food. So therefore, if a child at school is not eating wholesome food, I don't mean just at school, but in in their life, their brain will not be able to work optimally. And their brain Mm. will then not be able to signal and send messages to the gut. So therefore the gut's not able to do its job of digesting the food as well. So they're talking to each other. The the, the gut-brain axis is what it's known as. And and when that's depleted, and it can be depleted even with just a day or two of of not eating wholesome food. Um, Wow, just one to two days. One or two days of completely, if you just went out and ate nothing but heavily processed food with added sugars and added unnatural fat, man-made fats, whatever, Mm. everything is then out of balance. And, um, you know, your brain and your gut's not being fed and the two get very confused and very distressed. And then you, it's it's just a cascading series of events, you know, then you, you can't digest, then you're not getting your nutrients in your cells, brain's not got enough fuel to work. The brain needs fuel to work. So um, 
it can be devastating actually in terms of, this is for adults as well as children you know it's there's no difference in that way so yeah. like in terms of the nutrition what would be kind of the components of the types of meals they, they should have well i mean it's very much in, in terms of the nutrients they would need all the all the pulses the lentils probably that's something that's still fairly new in western eating but it's you know it's becoming more, more popular um a big variety as well so not just one type of lentil it's it's better to have a variety of everything because you you just know that you're getting all the nutrients all the grains the pasta the rice the bread the oatmeal vegetables fruits so they could have fruits for their mid-morning snack for instance you know and much better to have a piece of fruit that they chew properly um so that they're helping their digestive enzymes you know rather than a smoothie or something it's better to eat in the most natural state um so casseroles soups fantastic for children to have a, a really lovely casserole or stew you know that's been cooked with maybe you know if they eat meat then a light chicken or light fish lots of vegetables lentils within that that's a kind of a whole meal in itself but what i'm passionate about because it's becoming more and more um of a no no in modern life and that is dairy products wholesome milk whole grass fed organic milk unhomogenized in other words not tampered with um milk yogurt cheese all the soft cheeses what they give you is immense and especially things like the yogurt and the soft cheeses they are giving you they're reintroducing the gut microbiome so um in indian cooking in indian um meals you know i always have natural yogurt with my indian meals it's just something i can't do without mm. um i've been brought up to do that. so i'm getting that yogurt every day which is so one of the best foods for your gut microbiome for the diversity of it um so uh, nuts seeds you know none of it is rocket science we all know about this um but somehow we've lost the ability to understand the importance of feeding our children well you know we we've become right. very involved in our own health or oh, i must eat a healthy meal i must go and get a smoothie i must eat my five a day or whatever and we're mm. sort of forgetting that it starts with the children and in ayurveda there's a root cause to everything and and there's a cause and effect and i would say the root of society is the children they're the, they're the youngest mm. and they if they, if it starts with them then they'll go on to be better you know healthier adults yeah and you know like how in uh, nordic countries where play has been a very big part of the education like how how is play considered and and how would you say it's beneficial on an ayurvedic lens for 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 yeah. kids yeah yeah and how the nutrition impacts play um well in terms of play itself i think that again in modern life um we've become very focused on what are they learning are they are they going to pass their tests are they going to get their grades even from a very young age and it's often about the school's reputation and about the league tables of where the school stands uh, you know compared to other schools that's completely pointless because we're trying to raise healthy balanced human beings um you know children who are going to become yeah. um so for me in ayurveda there's a huge importance given to relationships with everybody right. starting with yourself so for a child to get to know themselves and their own personality and their own likes and dislikes they have to be able to compare they have to be able to um interact with other with their friends they have to be able to have downtime and they have to understand that life is about balance and you know look at a lot of the adults nowadays especially sort of young adults going into the workplace it's all about i've got to work these hours 
I could be sacked. I might not be promoted. I might not get a salary rise. So they, they, they spend less time on sitting down and having their lunch, for instance, mm. than eating on the to a meeting. They'll eat it at their desk, looking at the screen. And that's not going to help them to digest the food, which is not going to help their brain activity. So everything is always linked. It always goes back to that. Nothing is separate. Nothing is isolated. So in terms of play, hugely important. And if they don't have the right nutrition, they'll be irritable. They won't want to play. They might become a little bit withdrawn. If they're eating unwholesome foods every day, day in out, day out at home, for instance, they will become withdrawn because kapha dosha is going to make them slow and sluggish and lethargic and actually, actually even uh, the low mood depression. They, they might not be depressed in, in a clinical way, but they will have low mood because again, those unwholesome foods are causing their cells to become confused. And I, and I do think that's detrimental to their, their development. I, I would definitely say that the balance is not in favor of play in modern day school environment, but we all know that you know, learning is, is done in many different ways. And to learn about oneself from an Ayurvedic point of view is to be able to sit and be and play for children and um, understand other children um, to be able to use their imagination. And of course, you know, often in, in, in formal schooling, we're not using our imagination. We're just listening to what the teacher tells us is, is gospel and, and writing that down or whatever. Um, but in terms of imagination and flow of creativity, and that, you know, all of that is very much the feminine energy in Ayurveda. It's, it's considered the feminine energy to be able to uh, be empathetic, to be able to be sympathetic, to be able to um, feel sad when one of their playmates has, you know, felt that their, their sort of game or their lovely sort of right. wasn't sort of valued enough and how they can actually use their imagination to help that other child as well. Oh, I feel sad because my friend is crying, because my friend's drawing was torn up or whatever. So their creativity has been sort of almost hampered by somebody mocking their drawing or whatever. The other child can then respond by sort of saying, come on, let's, let's do another drawing together. So of course, play to me is gaining knowledge. So yeah, I absolutely think that there could be a lot more play involved. You know, in lockdown, I know everybody was worried about children falling behind because they're not at school, but they're all falling behind. Falling behind from what? So if they're all, you know, when, yeah. when they were, maybe they had more chance to be imaginative and creative mm. and actually take a step back and, and, and just breathe. Um, you know, and I think, you know, they probably did gain immensely in lockdown in, in one aspect of their being, which is that whole creativity and that play. Yeah. Um, so I personally think that was a godsend for them. So, yeah. And would you say play might emphasize or bring up one of those doshas for because instinctly speaking, I would think that maybe play could help with va the vata dosha, which is a bit more about creativity and you know imagination. So I'm thinking, you know, to be able to balance all these doshas as you go at school, do, do you think that this is something that could actually help them and also ultimately help them with, with productivity at school? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, children are in the kapha stage of life. Um, childhood is the kapha stage of life. So they've got that groundedness already within them. 
However, what I've noticed with the, especially with the school I'm involved in, is that Vatadosha, which is for me very much vitiated in everybody in modern life. Modern life is Vatadosha. Everything is fast, no rest, you know, go, 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 movement. And unfortunately, that has also now um, infiltrated children's being, their psyche. And so, yes, there's a lot more stress in children perhaps than I would have felt there was when I was growing up. Evident, you know, very apparent yeah. stress. And so that is linked with Vata Dosha. So if Vata Dosha is increased, it's knocking the other two out of balance. Pitta is the Dosha of, um, apart from other things, it's very much about learning and retaining that information. Um, so they need the Pitta Dosha to be very much balanced for their learning. But as I say, if the Vata Dosha is heightened because of the stress of modern life, you know, you can see children who are not able to cope with the demands of often a very busy school life um, or, you know, a bit too much homework or lack of sleep. So, again, the doshas have to be in balance in everybody. Um, I think children have got more potential to remain grounded because they're in that kapha stage of life, which is all about the slow pace and the groundedness and the building. They're building their bodies, they're building their muscles, they're building their brain cells, they're building their whole body um, when they're children. So I wouldn't focus too much on imbalance of doshas in children. I would focus on giving them the right nutrients um, and the right routine so that they will remain balanced for longer. Yeah. It, and I guess to like kind of close off that this entire conversation around how you would approach, uh, you know, uh, implementing this sort of principle and mindset in a school, um, what would you say... Uh, is a key message you want to send to like, maybe if there was another principal of a school listening or parents, what would you say they could focus on as one thing in thinking of nutrition for their kids differently? I would say if you can emphasize much more in your school, the huge importance of food, nutrition, and for children to understand that food as well, and to really appreciate their food rather than it being something that they have to quickly get over with as part of their schedule of the day, really actually make food, because food is medicine and medicine is food. We all want to give our children medicine to make them better. So mm. there can be no better medicine than food. Yeah, that's a great message. Um, and so before we close off our episodes, we always do a rapid fire round of questions. Uh, and so the first question is, what is the first sign you notice when you get out of balance? Do you know, it sounds awful and, and a bit sort of, I'm, I'm bragging the fact that that's not very often out of balance. But in terms of how I feel, you know, I don't suddenly have waves of hunger because I do tend to eat in a routine sort of way. So if I haven't been able to eat, I get paranoid about not eating my three meals a day. And so it doesn't sit well with me if, I, if I've missed a meal. I can't focus on anything else. It would be that I just feel light, lightheaded, light in, you know, my energy and my, my focus goes. So that's how I know I'm out of balance. And so, you know, in fact, that's, a, that's kind of sums up what I've been saying, really, how, you know, food is medicine. Medicine is food. So. Right. And what, what is your coping mechanism to that? Definitely as soon as I can. I need to, you know. <laughs> I just eat. eat, eat. <laughs> I tend to keep lots of wholesome things with me if I'm out and about, you know, keep nuts with me and keep sort of whole fruits with me and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. And it'll give me a high level of nutrients, so always be prepared yeah. right <laughs> yeah um and the last one is what is one book or documentary or movie that you have 
um, consumed uh, that has impacted your approach to well-being or wellness? Well, I think definitely it has to be a book um, by somebody called Dr. Vasant Ladd. And he's an yeah. amazing Ayurvedic doctor based in India and America. And it's basically a book that was one of my key texts when I was doing my degree. But the beauty of the book, um, it, it, so it's, there's two volumes. It's called volume one. Um, it's textbook of Ayurveda, fundamental principles. And what I loved about it is I literally devoured it when I was um, doing a particular module and they gave us the book for reading during our reading week when we were off university. And I thought, okay, I'll read that book in that, in that week. And I read it in sort of a day and a half. I couldn't put it down. And I think why is because at that time I was learning Ayurveda, um, but it, it speaks to you in layman's terms. Still can be a bit complicated if you're not too knowledgeable about Ayurveda, but you know, it's just the, the way he, he describes Ayurveda and describes systems. And it's just wonderful. And so to me, that had a huge lasting impact nice yeah we 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 hope we can actually get uh get him to be on our podcast at one day that's a that's a real goal <laughs> he's definitely a pioneer of ayurveda bringing it to the west right so yeah. Uh, yeah so we do have to have him hopefully we we that that is something by setting our intentions it might yes. happen yeah <laughs> but thank you uh sonia thank you so much for taking the time to speak about nutrition and especially in a framework with children which i think is very important to you and and to to our audience as well um yeah. so thank you very much for for being on this show absolute pleasure thank you for having me thank you if you enjoyed this episode go ahead and select the follow or subscribe button for now stay safe and we'll see you next week Bye.